Hey there, friends. Welcome to New Light Sports. From the Zen Room, I'm Andrew Oster. This is great. We're back for episode four of New Light Sports. New Light Sports, this is a new podcast. This is a new way of looking at sports. This is evolving sports coverage for an evolving world. This wouldn't be possible without sports fans, and I invite you to join in on this conversation. I really want this to be an interactive community. Email me at newlightsports at hotmail.com. Yes, hotmail.com. The Gmail address was taken, so we're left with Hotmail, but that's okay. Hot, like a star, like the like the light that we're gonna be we're gonna be bringing in. Anyway, if you haven't heard, I got some new recording equipment. Woo! <laughs> got a mic, and this is almost like a real podcast now. Wow, this is a fun ride so far. I'm just a sports fan with a heart. I like doing some research, and I want to shine some new light out there, so join in with me. Uh, Hop in on this new light bus, and let's see where the ride takes us. All right, so we are here with episode four. This is going to be about superstitions, rituals, and ceremonies that athletes use to give themselves a boost of confidence and to ward away the bad juju. But we're not going to be focused on warding away bad juju. We're going to focus on the positive aspects. Instead of being anti-negative something, we're going to be pro-positive something. It's a small shift in you know, how you approach it, but it's a huge energetic rift. There was a great quote, and might have been Gandhi, not really sure. I'll just, sounds like Gandhi. He said, I'd rather be, or she, if it's not Gandhi, I'd rather be pro-peace than anti-war. They kind of mean the same thing, but they feel miles apart. So we're going to be pro-peace. We're going to be pro-positive vibes from all these rituals and ceremonies and good luck charms that athletes use to bolster their performances. And I guarantee by the end of this episode, you're probably going to look at good luck charms and ceremonies and get some more of your own. They do help you out. So ritual is a big part of sports. Rituals reaffirm your intentions that you want to do. You know, after somebody hits a a home run or drains a three-pointer or scores a goal, you know, they'll point to the sky as a reaffirmation of playing inspired, elevated, existential greatness. Nobody points to the ground and they don't reaffirm like, oh, I'm going to be dirt. I'm going to be low. No, they point to the sky to reaffirm their exuberance, their expansiveness of their soul expression that they just achieved something. So rituals reaffirm these intentions. Now, there's actually been some psychological studies done on rituals. And basically, the psychologists boil it down to that rituals give athletes and give us a sense of 
control over situations we have no control over. And gaining a sense of control gives you more confidence. And they kind of leave it at that. But here at New Light Sports, you know, we are going to look at things a little bit deeper. That's what we do. I've got to slurp some tea here. When you have greater confidence, what does that mean? When you take that deeper, more confidence in something, you basically have more self-worth. You feel fuller of yourself. And in a situation of a ritual that you're instilling your vibes and bringing your vibes up, you're instilling that sense of greater self-worth. And when you feel a fuller sense of self-worth, you're bringing in more self-love. You are loving yourself more. You're feeling sure about yourself. You're feeling a fuller sense of your true self. And you're loving yourself more through greater sense of self-worth. Now, we could do a whole episode of lack of self-worth in the world right now. But that it's not entirely a sports topic. But it's a huge topic in the world in general of self-care and self-worth. But we're not going to go there. Just know that more self sense of self-worth equals more self-love. And when you feel more self-love, you are vibrating higher. It's as simple as that. And when you're vibrating higher, you have a stronger connection to your higher self, your higher aspect of yourself, your spirit, your soul. And when you have a higher connection to your soul, that portal, that gateway between that opens up and thus you have an increased capacity to express that soul, to express that spirit through your body. And when you can express your soul better, like we talked about in episode one, you're going to perform better. Like sports does boil down to spirit expression, a soul expression through the vehicle of the body. And so when you can increase that capacity, increase the portal between your body and your spirit and your soul, you're going to bring in more of your spirit power and you're going to perform better. It's as simple as that. That's feeling inspired. So rituals get you to that place. They add to that sense of self-worth, to that sense of self-love, to vibrate higher, to connect to your higher self, to open the portal for more spirit expression. Thus, you perform better. So now don't we all want to bring some more ritual into our life? I think you probably do. You just don't even know that you're doing it. So take a look. Yeah, what rituals do you have in your life where it, you might have some uncertainty, but you have a ritual? You have that faith, and that faith opens up your confidence and your self-worth and your self-love and your greater spirit expression. Some of the greatest athletes of all times in their sports have used rituals to their advantage. The greatest ever actually have some of the most memorable rituals. There's Serena Williams, the greatest women's tennis player of all time, and arguably the greatest tennis player of all time, irrespective of gender. She has a well-known ritual of, in a tournament, she wears the same pair of socks till the tournament's over, either till she's lost or won. And let's just say she wore a lot of dirty socks because she won a lot. Michael Jordan, he had the interesting ritual of wearing his University of North Carolina basketball shorts underneath of his Chicago Bulls shorts. 
the interesting part about this is that because the Chicago Bulls shorts were short, you know, this is he came in in the late 80s. They were still going through their short, short phase. I mean, they were some short shorts. So he actually had to wear longer, a longer uniform to accommodate his North Carolina shorts underneath. That caught on because everybody thought he played better. Everyone wanted to be like Mike. They wore longer shorts. What's the trend? Longer shorts took off. I think Allen Iverson wore shorts that went down to his shins practically. So, and he played great. Long shorts equal better play. Not really, but when you have a ritual like that, it does make you feel better. Patrick Waugh from hockey, considered the greatest goalie of all time. His nickname was St. Patrick because of his ability to, some say, to control the goalposts. And how did he do that? He had a ritual of talking to the goalposts. And he called the goalposts his friends. He spoke to them, called them his friends, gave them love. To him, he shrunk the goalposts with his mind to give the opponents less goal to shoot at. Apparently, his magic worked, this ritual worked, because he really was the best goalie of all time. Obviously, he really was one of the best athletes at goalie of all time too, but this ritual gave him the confidence and that self-worth to go and do it. He also had a quirky other ritual of never skating on the lines of the hockey rink. He would always jump over the lines and the markings on the ice. I don't know what that did. I don't know if that was the old, you know, step on a crack, break your mother's back. I don't know. But uh, athletes are very ritualistic. Some would say superstitious. And there certainly is more superstitious and idiosyncratic rituals. But these rituals are more of these energy rituals. One of the greatest baseball players of all time, Wade Boggs, the chicken man. He literally, one of his rituals, he ate a chicken, a chicken dish before every game. That was his ritual. It worked for him. He also had this ritual of writing the word chai in the dirt with his bat before every at-bat he had. And chai is Hebrew for life. It seemed to work pretty well for him because he was one of the greatest hitters of all time. I want to say he had many seasons finishing over three uh, with a batting average over 300 and is i wish i had a stat guy here oh, i am the stat guy um i'm not doing a good job but i want to say his career batting average if not over 300 was really close to it which is amazing because yeah he wrote chai in the dirt with his bat for every at bat talk about a ritual to reconnect you to spirit one of my favorite ritualistic athletes was a goalie for the Philadelphia Flyers in the 1980s. And his name was Pelle Lindbergh. He was a Swedish goalie, and he had this ritual of every intermission, he would have a specific assistant coach serve him a, a Swedish beer with two ice cubes. Every intermission. Now, I don't know if this made him extra dehydrated, but he was known for dehydration. He was also the first goalie to bring a water bottle out with him onto the ice to stay hydrated. Well, it worked. Talk about another ritual that caught on. Everybody brings water bottles out to the ice with them. It seems silly not to, but his ritual of staying hydrated, feeling good, going against the grain, bringing something new in, worked for him as well as his beer drinking ritual. 
which is just amazing. That That's just an amazing ritual. Uh, I got one more. One of my favorites. It's actually sticking in Philadelphia. Was a great Philadelphia Phillies baseball player, Richie Ashburn. Old Whitey. Well, when Whitey was in a hitting streak, or a hitting slump, never mind. He had many hitting streaks. But when he was in a slump, he was known to take some of his baseball bats home with him and sleep with them. Whitey jokingly was known to say, I slept with a lot of old bats. But old Whitey. Great broadcaster, too. Those are just some of the most famous athletes' rituals ever. Some of the best athletes. And they use rituals to their advantage all the time. Another great hitter in baseball, actually, Larry Walker, has a great numerology ritual. For those interested in numerology, he loved the number three. He wore the number 33. He had to set every alarm. had to be something 33. He got married at 333. That was his ritual. I mean, those who know numerology know that three is a very powerful number with the trine, the completeness, this symbol of mind, body, spirit. So whether he was aware of that or not, he was bringing in a very energetic, powerful symbol into his everyday life and his sports life, and it paid off. These rituals give that confidence and that self-worth, and it increases your capacity for spirit expression and you perform better. Those are just some of the examples. There's countless more. Now, another thing related to rituals that a lot of us use in day-to-day lives and athletes as well are lucky charms. And not just the cereal, if that's even considered cereal. I can't believe the junk that qualifies as food these days and cereal. I can't believe we ate it. Oh, those pots of gold were good. Right, anyway, back to the your actual lucky charms that you're going to use to increase your performance. Similar to rituals, lucky charms instill that confidence because they're going to, again, reaffirm your sense of self-worth and self-love, but usually a lucky charm is tied to a memory or tied to a person who gave it to you or a person you knew. Like it has a a meaning behind it. And the meaning behind Lucky Charms is love. They are love. I mean, I'm sure people bring negative Lucky Charms out with them, but again, we're going to be pro-positive here. So a Lucky Charm you bring out is going to remind you of a loved one that gave it to you, or a loved one that passed away that you play for, that you work for, It's going to remind you of the love of a place you had or a time that you had or a memory that you had. So these lucky charms, they reconnect you to your heart. And like the rituals, when you get reconnected to your heart, you bring in more self-love. And when you have a stronger, heartfelt, inspired expression, it's going to be so love-polarized that that raises your vibration. And again, once your vibration is raised, You have a stronger portal, a stronger connection to your higher self, your spirit. You have an increased capacity for that spirit expression. That pipeline to your spirit is open. More can flow through. And so you can express your spirit better through your performance. And you're going to have a better performance. And these lucky charms allow you to do that. Personally, I keep lucky charms with me all the time. I'll usually maybe have a crystal It reminds me of like maybe my girlfriend or an awesome place I've been to. 
I'll keep, you know, books or mementos or good luck charms. And we all have these little artifact artifacts, not artifacts. I don't know what that is. Artifacts that we keep, these little mementos. And whether you know it or not, those are good luck charms. And as you touch them or remember them, you feel better because then you're opening up your heart. You're opening up your portal to your spirit. And you're going to perform better because you feel better. You're expressing your spirit more. And I'll tell you, with all the troubles in the world today, the single fix to all of them is just expressing your true nature more. Expressing your soul more. Your individual, unique soul expression. That's what it's all about. If everybody individually did that and stopped worrying about what everybody else thinks about them, and just expresses their true self more, all the problems of the world would be instantly fixed. Now, we all have a lot of healing to do, and that'll probably be a future episode, but these good luck charms and these rituals and these ceremonies that these athletes bring into their lives, and that we can bring into our lives, translate directly to better performance. So maybe we should all rethink some of our rituals and ceremonies that we use on a day-to-day basis. But one story of a good luck charm that I love was from the Olympics of the U.S. women's track and field team. Her name was Jillian Camarena Williams, and she wears a yellow ribbon in her hair that her grandmother gave her. Well, her grandmother has since passed away a few years ago, and her grandmother gave her that yellow ribbon and said, you need to be you and stick out and shine like the sun, and you will be the shot putter with the yellow ribbon in her hair. And she's worn that with great success because now she wears gold around her neck as well as the yellow ribbon in her hair. That is true heart-centered good luck charm. I'm sure we all have some things that our grandmothers or grandfathers gave us that we keep as good luck charms. All right, moving on to our weekly feature. This week we have a sign of light. This week's sign of light comes from the recently passed Winter Olympics, and it is the Unified Korean Women's Hockey Team. Now, it's not a sign of light for their performance, because they frankly weren't very good, but they're not known for hockey anyway. This sign of light comes from how sports can be the leading edge. And as their coach, Sarah Murray, says how sports are breaking down the barrier. And they're talking about the socio-political, cultural barrier that exists between North and South Korea. If you haven't heard this story, it's a great one. So about four weeks before the Olympics, South Korea's president, Moon Jae-in, decides to make this a display for his Peace Olympics. So him and the North Korean president, Kim Jong-un, collaborated teams. North Korea sent down about, I think it was eight or ten players, to join the South Korean team. And then they played as a unified Korean team. And the flag they played under was, they called it, the Unified Korean Peninsula flag. Oh, that is my mindfulness bell on my phone, and it seems to like that flag as well. Because it really does symbolize so much. Four weeks before the Olympics, they have a brand new team they get thrown together. So all this hard work from the coaches and the players to try and gel and play together is a huge undertaking. And at first, the South Koreans were very, very upset. Rightfully so, because they have a great mistrust of North Korea. 
And they thought North Korea was trying to undermine their Olympics. They saw it as some sabotage or some subterfuge. Sub Subterfuge? I'm just going to stick with sabotage. That's a better word. They were very suspicious of this move. They thought the North Koreans were coming in and trying to overtake their team, and they were very against this team. They didn't support them at all, even as the home team, even as their team. But as the Olympics went on, the tone towards the team changed. South Korea and North Korea, well, we'll assume, we don't, nobody really knows, but at least South Korea saw that the team playing together and started gelling and played together as a team. It wasn't about where they were from anymore. They played under the unified flag and they played as one team and one people. And this team showed that unification can be possible when you come under a common goal. And sports were that common goal in this. That's the sign of light. Sports being the bridge between two opposite places. They were one country not that long ago. That's still in people's memory banks. There's still people alive, many people alive, when Korea was one country. So this unified Korean women's hockey team took small steps to overcome this massive cultural difference between North and South Korea. But they were once one people. And this women's hockey team showed that that's possible. There was a bunch of Koreans towards the end of the Olympics, and the overriding sentiment was that watching the team play was a very cathartic moment for tension-weary South Koreans over the North Korean situation. That watching that team play assuaged their anxiety over North Korea, and they showed that there is hope. You know, the team didn't win many games, but they did win the hope of the peninsula that peace and understanding can be achieved. And that's this week's Sign of Light. The Korean women, the United Korean Women's Hockey Team, playing under the United Flag. Sports, bridging the barrier. Sports, bringing peace or starting the peace for a weary region. Well, that's this week's episode. This is episode four. This is great. Please, I invite you to join in on this conversation. I would love your feedback. I want your feedback. I want to make this a community. I want this to be an open discussion of your guys' thoughts. I want to hear your rituals, your ceremonies, and your feelings behind your good luck charms and where they come from and why they mean so much to you. And again, if you've managed to listen this far, good on you. I'm still not a professional broadcaster by any means, but you never know what's going to happen because I, I really don't do any rough edits. I just like go. Now I might mess with the levels later so you don't hear airplanes or animals scratching the door or me slurping tea or dropping crystals and ruffling pages or whatever. So yeah, if you managed this far, thank you. And join in on the conversations again. Newlightsports.com newlightsports at hotmail.com. Join in. Get in on this ride. I would love to hear from you. Well, be well, take care of each other, and take care of yourselves, and spread some light around, and take a look at things in this new light that we found today. Take a look at your ceremonies, rituals, and good luck charms, and how they bring you back to your heart and open the portal to your higher self so you can have a greater soul expression out there. That's it for this week. Take care. I'll see you next week.